that didn't, you know, that was a bad wording there. Um, good stuff there, though. Uh, I, um, before we, before we kind of jump into some of that, I, uh, I just want to be clear. You notice how we have these great transitions, you know? It's because we don't know anything about tech and we just stumble through it. So if you're in those back couple rows or if you're in any of the rest of this space and you're a tech genius and you've been totally holding out, and if you're in the back rows and you're going to go to college next year or the next year, we have great colleges here. And so you can move down here and you can run all of our tech for us. And so I just want to put that in your mind, you know. And if you're not a tech genius yet, you can become one over the course of the next two years. Then you can move down here and go to college and you can run all our tech for us. So that would be great. That'd be great. And everybody's probably going to be tired of hearing me preach in two more years. I've already cycled through all my sermons once. And so we may even need a new pastor at that point. So, you know, take two years. Did somebody just... Thanks for that. So, you know, get ready for that. But... um Here's what I'm going to tell you, uh, and, and that's so much good stuff. We're going to talk about a lot of that stuff today, but um, but 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 we'll kind of get there as we go. Uh, I want to tell you this. Uh, yesterday was was a really interesting day. I think some people thought I was homeless because yesterday afternoon, uh, Molly, we couldn't get Molly to take a nap, so we just put her in the car seat and drove around. Have you ever done that? And so we put her in the car seat and drove around. She fell asleep, and then I was pretty sleepy too. And so we we went to Elmwood and just shopped at um, just shopped for like an hour while we slept in the car. So, uh, but it was really nice. It was a great nap. It was one of the best naps I've had in a long time. But um, I say that because that reminded me of this. Did you know that every year millions? I'm going to tell you why this makes sense in a minute. Every year, millions of pictures of scenic views are sold. So every year, millions of pictures of views are sold. It's kind of weird if you think about it to think we buy pictures of, of a brook that exists somewhere in the world and we look at it as if we're looking out the window, you know, and we're really looking at the view. And they sell millions of these things every year. If you don't buy this stuff or you're too young, to, you don't really know that people do that, people do that. And they have a mothership and it's called Kirkland's. And they're everywhere in there. And Jess is in there all the time. And we have pictures of little downtowns in Italy and all kind of weird stuff like that. Um, but people do that all the time because people love a great view. Anybody ever been on a cruise? You can go on a cruise and you can like sleep in the bottom of the ship for like $19 a night. But if you want to see the sun on your vacation, it's like $1,000 a night. Anybody ever seen that? It's massively more expensive if you want to get the view. And then if you want to smell the fresh air and, and also see the view, forget it. You can't afford it. I don't know who, who purchases those, but those are way too expensive because people love to see the view. There is, um, there's some houses on the lake if you live in, uh, in Kenner or Kenna, if you're from there. But uh, if you live in Kenner and, you, and you're over by the lake, if you, the, the, if you get one of those houses that happens to be built tall enough to see over the levee and you get a lake view, that's like a huge selling point. They get much more expensive if you can see the lake. You still have to drive 20 minutes to tip your toe in the lake, but you can see it from there. And if you got a view, it's way more expensive. Scenic cruises, scenic tours... $45 coffee table books with pictures of scenes. Multi-million dollar industry because we love to see a good view. And if we can see it, and then if you can step outside and, and smell it, and, and the more you can experience it, man, the more it costs. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you come to church every week, 
but you don't worship Jesus, you know, you don't feel, you don't enter into His presence and you don't leave with this yearning to obey more, it's like getting a house with a big mountain view and closing all the curtains. Man, there's something great out there, but you're missing the best part. It's like getting getting tickets, and I wouldn't know what this is like, but it's like getting tickets, like on the 50, and you're 10 rows up, and you just got this incredible seat, and you make your way all the way down to your seats, and it's right before kickoff, and you get in your seat, and right as soon as you get sat down, you put on eye mask and earmuffs. I mean, you didn't pay all that money to get down there to not see the best thing. You didn't get down there because the seats are comfortable. I mean, when we come to church and we miss Jesus, we miss the whole reason we came. And Jesus is the thing to see. And we have this yearning for Jesus because there's something in us that wants to see that. And there's some part of us that want, just wants to see something beautiful. It's just who we are. But yet, sometimes we come to church week in and week out, and we miss the view. And we miss the big thing. So last week, we talked about the Easter story. Uh, if, if you weren't here last week, um, grab your foot and kick yourself, because it was a lot of fun. We, um, we, we ate breakfast before we started, and that was a lot of fun. And then I only preached for like 15 minutes. And so it was a great Sunday. Some say it was the, the best service ever, like in history. So it, it was a heck of a lot of fun. Um, we did that last week, but here's, I think a lot of us are super familiar with the Easter story. So we talked about it last week, and man, it's impactful. But, but a lot of people have heard that. But then there's this interesting thing that happened. We know that Jesus resurrected, you know, he, Beth, Beth, or death, burial, resurrection. We know all that happened. We know that not long after that, he ascended and he went into heaven. But the question is, where we're jumping in today, is what happened in between there? Because there's a little section of time in there, in between those those events where Jesus ascended and then where he, where he went into heaven. I'm mixing all the words up. You know the time I'm talking about. But there's a little period of time in there, and, and we want to jump in there today and say, what happened in that time? Because I think it's a huge part of Jesus' story, and it's a huge part of our story as the church, that little piece of time. So in Luke chapter 24... Luke chapter 24, we're going to zoom in on that little piece today. So Luke chapter 24, Jesus died, burial, resurrection. People went to the tomb to see to, to see if Jesus was there, to put some spices at the tomb. All of a sudden they get there and they realize Jesus is not there anymore. And then Luke chapter 24 picks up. This is the part where they realize Jesus isn't in the tomb. They don't know where he is. And then he just starts appearing to people. And you can imagine these people are, are pretty scared out of their mind to see a guy they knew that was dead, and now he's alive. Jesus begins to appear to some people. Luke chapter 24, you see that. So verse 13. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. It says, Now that same day, this is the day that, that they went to the tomb and saw that Jesus wasn't there. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, you know, Jesus and the, and the resurrection, or the, the death and the cross and all that stuff. It says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So Jesus and these two guys are walking, but they don't really know that it's Jesus. In verse 17, it says, He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still with their faces downcast. 
And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? So this huge thing just happened, and Jesus is like, hey, what happened? And I mean, it'd be like Katrina happening, and then you're saying uh, a few days later, man, that was the craziest thing, and somebody goes, oh, a hurricane hit? I wondered where all this water was. Like, it, it was a significant event, and for you to not know it is just unheard of. Verse 19. What things, he asked, this is Jesus. About Jesus of, Na- Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that Jesus, that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was still alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. You see what their problem is here? It says they're walking and their faces are downcast, and they're just just beat down completely. And their problem is, in all of this, no one has seen Jesus. Right? Jesus is gone, and, and we're, we're, we just don't believe that he's coming back, and they haven't seen him. And they're like, we thought Jesus was going to be the answer to all of our problems. We thought, man, for, for, for centuries, these Jews have been looking forward to this Messiah that was going to come. And then all of a sudden, this guy comes, and he says, hey, I'm the Messiah. And, and in addition to all that, man, he's healing people, and he's preaching. And they're, man, they've been living under this Roman rule, and they've kind of been prisoners in their own city. And they finally think they're going to get free from all that, and they think Jesus is going to be the guy to get them there. And so after all that, they get to the very end, and then Jesus dies. And they just couldn't be more disappointed. Man, they were totally sold into this idea. Let me ask you a question. Any of you guys have expectations about the church? Like maybe if you didn't go your whole life and then you started coming, you, you kind of had this idea that, you know, if we just start going to church or if I just get my family there or something like that, then it's going to be good things are going to happen for us. And maybe some of these things that we struggle with we're going to be able to fix because we're going to church and that's really kind of the thing that we need. And you finally got involved in going. Anybody had that sort of some of those expectations? Some of you guys had totally the opposite expectation. I'll go because somebody in my family wants me to go, but I don't really know that it's going to make any sort of a difference. And I keep coming and I keep doing it, but I mean, I'm not really sure if there's much here. I got all the same problems that I had before, and I'm still just as lost as to how to solve all those problems. And what I'd say to you is is if you have an expectation that's totally not being met or everything seems just the same as when you first came into the church, I would say that the thing that you're missing, the thing that you don't see is Jesus. And, and man, church is good, and there are some really nice people here. And, man, we, we've done some, some pretty cool things for people. But if you miss Jesus, you miss the power of the whole thing. Jesus is the one with the power to transform lives. If you look around and you see some people who it feels like church is benefiting them, like being here every week or or just being plugged into the life of the church is making a difference in their life. And you say, what's the difference between the the good that they're getting out of it and, and the nothing I'm getting out of it? I would say the difference in all of that is just Jesus. 
And maybe some of you guys are believers, but you're like, man, largely church feels dry for me. You know, and, and I just, I've been doing this, but I'm not really sure sort of where the power is. But yet every week we come in and, and man, sometimes we sing this song that says, Jesus, how will become even more undignified than this? And we sing about this idea of worshiping totally undignified, but yet we come in and we just worship with all of our restraint. And if some part of us wants to sing louder or do, or do a little more, we work super hard to restrain that idea. And I would say that, man, worshiping Jesus, that's what you're missing. And if you don't feel the power and you don't see the difference, Jesus is the peace that you're missing. When I was in graduate school, uh, I used to go to, the, when I was at the seminary, there's this room sort of on the side of the library, and uh, it, I used to go in there and study all the time if I had a little extra time in between classes. So I would, um, so that little room, I'd jump over there. If you ever studied the way that I studied in college, it was kind of like this. I would spend like 30 minutes thinking about studying, and then another 20 minutes getting set up to study, computer plugged in, turn everything on, check my email, run through Facebook, you know, all the things you have to do before you start studying. And so I'd do all that, and then I'd spend another 15 minutes really fretting about studying, and then finally, after all that stuff passed, I'd really get focused on the ceiling tiles, and then the tiles on the floor, and I'd count all those, and then I'd count all those. And after I'd been there for like an hour, uh, and I'm not good at math, I probably went way over an hour there. But after like an hour, then finally I would start studying, and I would get a good 30 minutes of studying in. I mean, just, just working hard, getting as much as I could, and then I'd get a little bit thirsty. And so then I have to go get something to drink, but you can't bring the drink in the library, so I have to drink it outside. And then by the time I get all the way back into the library, i got about 15 minutes left before my next class, and there's really not enough time to get started again, so I should probably just check Facebook again. Anybody study like that? No, because you guys passed college, right? So uh, this was very much so my way to do it. So I'm in the seminary. And some of those counting the ceiling tiles moments and looking at the floor, uh, I, I just I have this image burned in my brain. But there's this uh, there's this seal sort of in the middle of that floor, and uh, and that seal has a globe in it, and and sort of circling the globe is this statement that Jesus made, and it's it's right in this time frame that we're talking about here, and it's it's sort of it's right at the end of Jesus's life, and I'll read it to you in a minute, and you're going to remember it. But, man, it's, it's some of these last things that Jesus said. And I think in some way or another, everybody that Jesus encountered, he said something like this to them, something to this effect. And there in the seminary, it's in the floor, and I used to see it all the time. But here's what happened. Jesus is, is walking with these guys, and these guys would finally realize that this person that's been with them is Jesus. And so they finally realize that this guy that they've been spending all this time with, they walked all this whole road with, is Jesus. So they get super excited and they go tell everybody. And now I imagine the text would say their face are no longer downcast. Now they're pretty excited. Jesus would go and appear to like a thousand people, 500 in one sitting. There were a lot of people that Jesus would go on and they would see him. And, uh, and so we walk through all those things. And it comes near to the end of, of Jesus' life here on earth. And, uh, and Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And he says something very similar to what he said to those two guys further down in that text. And here's what he says. 
It's in Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20. If, if you've ever heard us say the Great Commission, this is what we're talking about, this verse here. This probably sounds familiar to you. But, but this is one of the last few things that Jesus left us with. And he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So so that's what the crest in the floor says, right? It says, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As Jesus got ready to leave the earth, and as he's ushering in the era of the church, he makes it really abundantly clear. This church and everything that we do here, this is about me. And because of who I am, you do this. And because of who I am, you worship. And because of who I am, you have this huge, huge mission. And you have this huge job to do. And apart from me... This whole thing is empty and hollow. And apart from Jesus, gathering every week really has no value. This mission that you've got is to live your lives in such a way to in front of your coworkers and your friends and your family and to serve them and to live and, and to make decisions about your career and where you live and what you do and all those big things, to do all those in an effort to be the hands and feet of Jesus so that people might come to know him. And that's the goal of it all. Uh, I would say this. Sometimes we get into this idea that what we do here in church is mostly about what we do here on Sunday morning. We talked about this a little bit in Bible study, but, but I heard someone say this. Man, it made such sense to me. But it says, this service this morning, this is not the mission. And, and, and if what you're getting out of church is this here Sunday morning, this is sort of the extent of, of your spiritual life, man, this service is not the mission. This service is just preparing us for the mission. And if I think Jesus had some... If the thing that he is doing in these last few days after the resurrection, before the ascension, what he's telling us in that short time frame is that, hey, I'm going to go now, but you've got a lot of work to do. And, and man, this church thing is about worshiping me and is about making much of me, and it's about getting you ready to do this big mission. And to do this big thing. Because if we're only doing this church thing just for the sake of it, just to meet here and sing together, then there's no value at all. So as we wind up today, I'll just I'll say this, and, and I want you to think through this. But if you've got problems for days, I mean, I've got, you know, I've been telling you, I think for a month and a half now I need to get my oil changed, right? And I, that still hasn't happened. So I got problems. I got scheduling problems. I walked in today. Somebody on the second row told me I needed a haircut, which I do. Um, you know, I mean, I've just got all kind of things that need to get done. I can't manage my, my calendar. Man, I've just got so many things going on. And, and if you're kind of like me and you've got all those things going on, and yet you've been coming to church and, and you feel like, I've got all these same problems, and man, nothing really seems to have changed. You know, I came into the life of the church, and and yet here I am in the same boat, and I don't know how to solve any of these things. I don't really have a whole lot of hope that these things are going to work themselves out, whether it be where my kids are headed or, or, or where my financial state is or any of those questions that I had. I still feel like I'm in just the same place. I would say that you've been doing this 
But the thing that you've been missing is Jesus. And the thing that you've been missing as you've been coming every week is real sincere worship. So here's what I would say. In the privacy of your own head, and, and there's nobody else in there with you. If there is, that, that other one's not real. So, In the privacy of your own head, just be honest with yourself. In all this time that I've been doing this church thing, and in all this time that, that I've been kind of just walking through this, have I ever said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I want to stop chasing after sin and, and, and really just myself and all those other things. And, and I know that you are king, and, and I've been believing that for a while, but I really want to follow you. And man, all of a sudden when you do that, it, the Scripture tells us, man, that's when we go from death to life. And, and all these things that you've been walking through, that you've been trying to find where the value is, all of a sudden you find the value. All the value in what we do here is in following Jesus. And eternal life is found in following Jesus. Let me pray. God, we praise you for this morning. And Jesus, I, I just I praise you that um, that what I just said is so true. Um, that there is value in you. And that we don't just gather here because we've got nothing better to do on Sunday, but we gather here because you are good and you are king. And God, I just pray that we would be fervent worshipers and fervent followers of you. God, we praise you for all that you are. And God, I pray that for people here that, that, that would say this morning, that, that on their brain they're saying, you know, I never really said that. And I'm, I'm, I, don't, I still don't know if I'm ready to do that. If I'm ready, you know, God, I just pray that they would be people that would take the next step to say, I just let me at least talk about it. And they would be people that would come forward and be willing to say, I don't know about all this stuff, but, but I do want to talk about it. I do just want to at least have the conversation. And so, God, I just pray for some prompting of your Holy Spirit in the hearts of those people. God, I pray that you would be with us as we take communion, God, as we continue just to look to you. I pray that we would make much of you. Amen.